Good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night fuel. It is my honor and my privilege to be with you on this evening. Go ahead and share this video to your family and your friends. Let them know that we're about to dig into the word of the Lord together. All right. Uh, let me pray for you and let's dig in. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you, God, for your loving kindness that is poured out on us despite the fact that we don't deserve it. Now, God, as we go into this word, give me the strength and clarity to deliver this word unchecked by any force and then give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. In the strong name of Jesus, amen. All right, let's dig into the word. We are on this series called Decide. We've been particularly in John chapter four, dealing with this narrative of the woman of Samaria and Jesus, this encounter, if you will. We've been working through the reality that if we're going to be consecrated builders, there are some decisions that we must make. One of those decisions is we must have a legitimate encounter with the Lord. And we've been working through this particular encounter as is outlined in the gospel according to John in chapter 4. We understand that there is a lot that takes place in this encounter. And when we come to the end of the narrative, we come to understand something that is very essential about this woman. And it, to be honest, it is essential and it is true of many of us. Please hear what I'm about to say here. This woman had questions. The Samaritan woman had questions. And, and here's the part that is easy to miss. She knew who had the answers. We'll, we'll see that. I'll show that to you in, in the scripture in a second. But she had questions. She had questions about some things, but she knew who had the answers. The reality is that's true of many of us. Many of us, many of you who are listening to me right now this evening on this Wednesday night, you have some questions. Maybe your question is, God, how is this going to work out? Is there anybody that has ever asked God, God, how is this going to work out? Maybe your question is, God, when are things going to change? I know there are many of you who are looking around at your circumstances, your situations, looking at your relationships, maybe your bank account, your job, and you're saying, God, how is this going to work out? Or God, when is this going to change? Or how about maybe this is your question, why are these things happening to me? These are questions. They are legitimate. They are emotional realities that are caused by legitimate uh, situations. They are not to be ignored. This woman, she had questions. And hear me, while we have questions, there are those who also know, like this woman, many of us, we recognize, despite our questions, that Christ is the answer. And this woman knew that as well. Look at verse 25. I told you I would show you in the text. This, this is John chapter 4, verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. This woman, like, listen, I know that Jesus is coming, and when he gets here, he is going to answer 
all the questions. He is going to make everything all right. When Jesus gets here, this is what this woman was saying. You know, I understand that when Jesus gets here, everything's going to be good. Everything is going to be fine. But this narrative shows us something, this John 4 narrative, because we know that Jesus eventually said, I'm here already. This narrative shows us something. Watch this. Belief in Christ. Write this down. Belief in Christ is not the same as recognition of Christ. I'll do it again. Belief in Christ is not the same as recognition of Christ. Third time. Belief in Christ is not the same as recognition of Christ. Explain. You can believe in restoration, but not recognize the path of restoration. Here's another one. You can believe in healing as a construct, as a reality found in scripture, but not recognize the healer. You can believe in prosperity, but not recognize the one who causes us to prosper. I don't get it. There are many of us who believe in Christ, but we lack recognition of Christ. We believe, we shout, we say, God, I know that you can do it, but we're not recognizing that doing it is sitting right in front of us, that healing is right there, that restoration is right there, that deliverance is right there, that breakthrough is right there. So we are waiting on some future tense reality when present tense victory is right in front of us. We're waiting on some future tense miracle when present tense miraculous is right there with us. So we have to understand the difference in belief in uh, and recognition of. We see this actually in verse 10. Watch this, verse 10, chapter four. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was, and watch, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you. So wait, wait, wait. We know in verse 25 that she knew that, that Christ was who she should be looking for. She knew that Christ was the answer. She knew that Christ would answer all things. But verse 10 shows us that even though Christ was in front of her, she had no idea. She had no recognition of who Christ was. You can believe in, but not have recognition of. In verse 10, Jesus recognizes that the reason that she was acting the way she was acting at the well was not because of rebellion, was not because the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. All of those were true. That was a true statement. But she was acting the way that she was acting because she did not know who he was. This is honestly where many of us are, if we want to really be clear tonight. We fail to recognize what stands right in front of us. We fail to see God. Now, we understand by the scripture, blessed are, you know, the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And But many of us, our heart 
It's not pure because it is clouded by so much. This is what we are. I can't see you. I know I need you, but I can't see you. I pray for you, but I can't see you. I know you can fix it, but I can't see you. So I keep looking for some future tense reality instead of thanking you for a present tense reality. This lack of recognition is a direct, often a direct result of assuming, watch this, of assuming that the Lord moves in a manner that we desire instead of recognizing that the Lord moves in a manner which is congruent with his will. Oh, do it again. Sometimes the reason that we can't see God is because we're looking for God to move the way we want him to move instead of recognizing that God moves in a way that is congruent with his will. God doesn't move in a way that, that always makes sense to us. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the things of the spirit are not carnally discerned. Which means that, that there are times where God is moving and there are parts of us that want God to do one thing when God will do another. Let me make it practical. There are times where you may be having trouble on your particular job where you want God to remove certain people. God, if you just get them out of the way, it would be all right. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to remove them. Because it is their presence that is actually maturing you. I'm not going to change it because this circumstance is what brought you to me. Glory to God. And so sometimes, watch this, we have to understand that God is not obligated to move in a way that brings us comfort. He is only obligated to move in a way that is congruent with his will. Jesus goes through this whole dialogue with the Samaritan woman. In order to get this Samaritan woman to one reality, this whole dialogue wasn't to flex his ego, wasn't to break her down, wasn't to make her feel bad. He didn't go through all of that about her not having a husband to embarrass her, to anger her or to frustrate her. We can see clearly what Jesus was trying to get her to right in verse 26. I'll read 25 and 26 again. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Here's what Jesus is giving her, her to. Verse 26. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he. And we know that that's what he was trying to get her to, because if you look at verse 28, so the woman left her water pot and went into the city, glory to God, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? Watch this, watch this, watch this. She left her water pot and said, come see a man. She left her water pot, which means that she completely gave up everything that was temporal to go share something that was eternal. <laughs> it no longer even mattered to her why she came to the well because she had met someone that was more important than that natural water. Hallelujah. Jesus was trying to get her to one, one thing. I am he. Please hear me. 
Many of us are going through what we are going through because God is trying to get us to this same verse 26 reality. I am he. Many of us are going through the trials, the tribulations, the circumstances. Many of us are praying the prayers that we're praying. We're even in the environments that we're in. We're in the relationship that we're in because the Lord is trying to get us to this reality. I am he. He's trying to get us to recognize I can't do it on my own. I can't do it in my own strength. He is putting us in circumstances where we recognize I can't fund it without you. I can't do it without you. I can't move in it without you. It's not going to work without you. It'll fail without you. I can't breathe without you. I can't move without you. He's trying to get us to the verse 26 reality. I am he. The consecrated builder must know this. I am he. Why? Why? Why if I'm going to build? Why if I want to do this this year? Why can't I just shout over the year of the builder? Why can't I just praise God over the year of the builder? The consecrated builder must know this reality. I am he. Why? Because he, that, that he there in verse 26, that's Jesus. And he, Jesus, the chief cornerstone, as the scripture says, of our building, that chief cornerstone must be in place. Because if the chief cornerstone, that pivot stone, not 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 that decorative, hallelujah, many of you in, in this building, I'm, I'm in my office right now, I'm in my office, and I, and I alluded to this earlier when I dealt with the chief cornerstone, um, at, at, the, at the front of our building, there is what we now know as a cornerstone. And on that cornerstone, it says the original name of the original church. It says the year that it was built. And there was an addition put on. And then and, and there's another that talks about where when the addition was put on and all that, those type. They're historical. Uh, they, they are cos cosmetic. Glory to God. As, as a matter of fact, I could go out and we could we could actually chisel it all away and the building would not come down. But, but when the Bible says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone, no, it's not talking about anything cosmetic. It's actually talking about a different type of stone in a building, literally the pivot point, the thing that holds the building all together. The problem is glory that many of us only have a cosmetic Jesus hey, and not a Jesus that is holding it all together. I want to run. You got a cosmetic Jesus. Yes, Lord. You got a Jesus that you talk about on Sunday. You got a Jesus that you rep on, on Wednesday. But listen, a cosmetic Jesus is not going to get you through this time that you're in. A cosmetic Jesus is not the one that you need when you're sick. A cosmetic Jesus is not the one that you need when you need to be delivered. A cosmetic Jesus is not the one that you need when you need to pray for your children. A cosmetic Jesus is not what you need when you're trying to pray for your spouse. No. And some of us need to recognize that he is the head of the corner as some translation says. And so when Jesus with this Samaritan woman is getting her to the crux of the matter, he ends with a simple reality. I am he. What does that mean? He is the cornerstone. He is the one that everything rests on Jesus. The Christ, the son of the living God. He is the chief cornerstone. And when we decide that we're going to build, we must, as consecrated builders, if we're going to be that, we must have our cornerstone in place. I am he. However, even now, 
There are imposters. There are imposters. Yes, there are. Look in Matthew. Look in Matthew chapter 24, because some of us have fallen victim to imposters. Matthew chapter 24. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Look, look at Matthew 24. Look at Matthew 24. He's talking to his disciples. Uh, They're in a private conversation. And he says, as we get a window into this private conversation, Matthew 24, verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. Hallelujah. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will, hallelujah, mislead you. Please hear me. Some of us right there, we have been misled by four cornerstones. Many have come in that name saying that this is the foundation, that that is the foundation. Yes, Lord. But you need to understand, come on, the consecrated builder must be able to identify who Jesus Jesus really is who Jesus really is. You got to be able to identify. There he is. Yes, Lord. I see God. Oh, come on now. You got to identify it. And many of us have been led astray by imposters. You put your weight on it only for it to drop you. You put your weight on it only for it to hurt you. You put your weight on it only for it to help you understand that it could not hold you. But Jesus. He never fails. Lord God, Jesus, he never fails. Yes, Lord, Jesus, he never fails. So we have to get to that reality. I am he, the consecrated builder. Lord, must know. The consecrated builder must know. Mm. The consecrated builder must know. <laughs> the old folk used to say, I tried him for myself. The consecrated builder must know. Yeah, the old song used to say, you can't make me doubt him. Lord Jesus, I know too much about him. The consecrated builder must know. Because at, at, at some point, while everything is going on and we have uh, many false teachers who are risen up and they're trying to say that there are many paths and many ways and they're trying to get us to see. Uh, come on now, they're preaching a false gospel. Yes, Lord. They are calling wrong right and right wrong. Yes, Lord. Come on, the consecrated builder got to know. Come on, now, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Come on, the consecrated builder must know. There's a song I've been sitting here and I've, you know, sitting in my office and the song has been ringing as I have been kind of preparing for this particular portion of, of, of this, of this message of this series. And I wrote it in my notes and I let it be. I keep coming back to it. And even as I was putting this message together for tonight and I was writing all of my notes down, I could hear it. And I was sitting at my desk just, just humming this, this, this song that the old folk used to sing. And it didn't make sense to me at that time. And God brought this thing back to me. <laughs> they used to say, everybody ought to know. Hey, God. Just a little simple song. Y'all knew it. Everybody ought to know. Y'all know that song. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Everybody ought to know, everybody ought to know, yo, everybody ought to know who Jesus is. 
there was something. And, you know, a little boy, I used to see him and my grandparents would just be rocking. Everybody ought to know. Somebody would answer. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Everybody ought to know. Who Jesus is. And the problem is, glory, that we don't know who he is. We've shouted so much over what he's done that when we see imposters trying to fabricate, fabricate his works, we actually become confused by his identity. We, 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 we look and we're, we're running after he can do it, he can do it, he can do it. And when we see imposters fabricating the works of the Lord, we get confused by his identity thinking that his identity is solely seen in his works. No, but his identity is fully realized in his character. Yes, Lord. Even if you were to go back to the Old Testament, yes, there were those who were false, who was able to do works up to a certain point. Yes. If you look at the New Testament and the early church, you see, yes, Lord, there were prophets who were able to say the right thing, but they had the wrong heart. And so the consecrated builder got to know. If we evaluate a whole glory, I'm sorry. Hey, yes, yes. Hey, hey. Uh, glory to God. The if we evaluate our circumstances, whew, if everybody listening to me right now would just evaluate your circumstance, some of us who we're, we're we're in one of three phases. One of three phases. Glory to God. We're in one of three phases. Phase one. It had to be God. That's a mindset. It had, hear me, to be God. That's a testimonial mindset. It's historical. It points to victories in the past where we can retrospectively see the hand of God. It's good, but it's stuck. It's good, but if you have that mindset alone, you are constantly, watch this, pointing backwards to testimony, but you still can't see present reality. Some of us are in this second mindset. It has to be God. Wait, wait. First mindset. It had to be God. A testimonial mindset, a historical mindset. Mindset number two or, or phase number two. It has to be God. Has to be. This is a present tense hunger and thirst mindset. It understands that if God does not do it, it can't get done. It's good. It's good. It's a hunger and thirst. It says in your present tense reality, God, I need you. And we got to be there. See, there's nothing wrong with first phase. It had to be God. It keeps you understanding that it wasn't you. It was the Lord. There's nothing wrong with the second phase. It has to be God. It keeps you in a hunger and thirst for righteousness where the scripture says, according to Matthew, that you will be filled. But... I need you who are listening to me right now to get to this mindset. Y'all, listen, I know I, 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 I messed up tonight because I, I, I just feel this thing deep in me. I need you to get here. I see God. Y'all, y'all, y'all. I see God. Wait, wait, wait. Phase one, it had to be God. Phase two, it has to be God. Phase three, I 
see God. I need you to get to that mindset. What do you mean? This is a mindset of consistent victory. It is grateful for the past and present victories, but never loses track hey, of where God is. I don't understand phase one. It had to be God. That is a historical mindset. Phase two, it has to be God. That is a present tense, hunger and thirst. But I see God. Wait a minute. What is the difference here? This mindset can worship in the mountain and the valley. Glory. Because it says that wherever I am, as Paul said, in whatever state that I'm in, I have learned to be content. I see God. It, this, this mindset can hear God in the midst of noise. Yes. No matter what noise is going on, the I see God mindset says, whatever what is going on, come what may, I can still hear God. This mindset says, I see God in the middle of a storm. Come on now, we can be in a storm. We can be in pandemic. We can be in wars and rumors of war. But this mindset, yes, this mindset is not stuck in the past. This mindset is not just at a present tense hunger and thirst. This mindset says it don't even matter what the circumstance is. I see God. This mindset is not swayed by circumstance. What's this mindset? This is the mindset of knowing. This is where Paul got to, where he said, I count everything as lost for the surpassing love of knowing. Hey, Paul said, I just got to know him. Come on now. He said, not only do I know him in his victory, but I know him in his suffering. I know him, 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 I know him. That's the song that they would sing. Everybody has to know him. And this is where Jesus was getting this Samaritan woman to. She said, he, he said to her at the end, I am he. Is there anybody that says, I got to get past where you were. I got to get past even what you've done. I got to get to the place of knowing. Yes, God, I see you, I see you. I see you in the bad, I see you in the good. I see you in the ups, I see you in the down. The consecrated builder has to know. The consecrated builder has to know that you, that, that I used to hear him say, I know that I know that I know. Remember, I'm done. I'm sorry. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Now, 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 I wasn't going to do this. Look at John Look at, ah, man, look at John 8, 24. This is Jesus, Jesus talking again, and he's talking to people who couldn't understand. They couldn't see. They didn't know. And Jesus makes a very vital statement in John chapter 8, John 8, the gospel of John 8, 24. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you'll die in your sins. He said, you want to come out of that? No, you got to know. He, he said, get to that place that I got the Samaritan woman to. I am he. But you also have to understand this. If we're going to walk by faith, if we're going to exchange our natural senses for our spiritual senses, let me leave you with this. Hey, God. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Watch. For he who comes to God must believe that he he is. I am he. What did he tell Moses? I am. That he is and that he's a rewarder of them, of those who seek him. Not, not just the rewarder. You, the foundation is the knowing that he is. And then you can get the reward. Everybody ought to know. You got to know. Despite what I see, 
I know. Because see, there's going to be some times where you got to shout before victory comes. You shout before victory when you know. My, that, 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 some of us are in the first phase. It had to be God. That's good. Some of us are in the second phase. It has to be God. That's hunger. That's thirst. That's good. But maturity says, I see God. Everybody ought to know. Woo, that song just rings in me. May God bless you. May heaven <laughs> smile upon you and give you peace. This is my prayer.